Hello, I'm Becky Hadid, host of The Storied Recipe. As my weekly guests share their stories through the vessel of cherished food memories, we all become better cooks, more grateful for the gift of food, and we honor those that have loved us through their cooking. Hey, everyone, it is great to be back with you again. So I have another quick question for you today. Could you name five facts about Tunisia or Tunisian cuisine real quickly here? I sure couldn't before this episode. And to be 100% honest, as embarrassing as this is, I am not sure I would have accurately located Tunisia on a map. So here's the backstory. A few weeks ago, I shared a recipe from a guest that was named after Tunisia. Um, It was a Tunisian orange cake. And I actually felt really uncomfortable sharing this recipe because the guest wasn't Tunisian and I couldn't verify if, if the recipe had any real basis in Tunisian culture or not. Um, But as I did keyword research, I felt like the cake was really well known under this name. And so I went ahead and shared it with that name. But I asked in the blog post that if any Tunisian ever happened to read the blog post, he or she would reach out if they were willing to educate me more about Tunisian cuisine. Well, lo and behold, just a few weeks after I published the post, um, Elias, a native Tunisian who now lives in Paris with his wife and baby son, found the post and was willing. Um, He was so kind and generous to reach out to me and to offer to share more with us about the culture and cuisine of his country, Tunisia. So at Elias's suggestion, today we are going to focus our conversation around Oula, which is a harvest ceremony celebrated in the north of Tunisia in mid to late summer. At this ceremony, the women in his family prepare provisions for the winter months, and they especially prepare couscous. And it turns out couscous is another thing I actually knew very, very little about. So the high point of this tradition is the lunch that they prepare from their newly formed and preserved couscous. Now, not only has Elias taught me about the history, culture, and cuisine of Tunisia, he's also taught me that I have been cooking couscous wrong all these years. So I'm so excited that you're here to learn with me about this beautiful country of Tunisia, which I absolutely want to visit now, and also how to make couscous the right way. Hello. Uh, Hi, how are you? Fine, thank you. How about you? Um, I'm doing great. I'm really doing well. Uh, first things first, can you tell me how to properly pronounce your name? It's Elias. Elias. Yes. Okay. Well, it's really nice to meet you. Thank you so much for coming on. I have to tell you, I'm so looking forward to this phone call. And my husband just said before I came upstairs, I can't wait till you come back and tell me what you learned. So I think all of my listeners are going to be so excited to learn, um, like you said, about your country and your culture. And, you know, this started because I put out um, an open call. So, um, a podcast guest came on and I've actually had to pull her episode because of some personal things she was going through, but I kept her recipe up there and she's, she's British. She grew up in Scotland. Her father was a chef and he made this cake that he always called a Tunisian orange cake, but I don't think (laughs) I, I, I had my doubts about how authentic it was. And so I'm, I'm curious, first of all, how did you come upon this cake? And well, 
I, I was I was just posting on uh, Instagram, oh. um, looking for some hashtags, um, oh. and uh, looking for some um, probably people who who talks about Tunisian cuisine or yeah. uh, Tunisian recipes. And I came across that uh, that post. Uh-huh. So I reached out and uh, I said, probably she wants to know more about the Tunisian cuisine and um, the culinary culture there. You're absolutely right. I really do. So I, I do want to start with that because I wrote in the blog post, I said, I'm really self-conscious even calling this a Tunisian orange cake because I don't actually know anything about Tunisian culture. I don't think the person who gave me this recipe really does either. So am I right or wrong? Would that cake be something you would find? It's a, just so listeners know if they didn't hear it, a Tunisian cake that this that the Scottish woman made. It's made out of almond flour. It has like orange zest and orange extract and a glaze on top. Is that the kind of thing you would ever eat there? Well, I think you would find um, the ingredients, but not this combina- combination. Probably ah. we use the orange. We use the, uh, the dried peel of orange. Mm. We use the orange juice. We use the, the zest. We use mm-hmm. it um, in our cookies, in our cakes, because mainly we have um, a large region in uh, northern east of uh, Tunisia where we plant and produce uh, orange there. So uh, it's really popular to, to find a good quality of, of uh, oranges and all type of citrus. So uh, we, we use them in our uh, uh, cakes, but not like I have seen this in, in the recipe. So we used it in, in a more in a different way. Uh, huh. We even use the orange peels um, uh-huh. dried in our coffee. I mean, really? we, 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 yeah, we, there is some, some old ladies prepare uh-huh. their own uh, coffee at home and uh-huh. they, they mix the fruit uh, grain of coffee uh, with uh, the dried brood, also orange peels. So, um, also for for the um, the almonds, it's it's really popular to use um, almonds almonds flour uh-huh. in our uh, cakes, mm-hmm. in our uh, cookies, uh, and uh, yes, it, it's kind of popular. So, okay. it's, it's uh, the story is that we use those ingredients, but uh, it's not, but in a different combination. Yeah. Okay. So it's fair to say that probably, probably or likely a British person was inspired by the flavors of Tunisia, but they didn't like learn how to make this in Tunisia and then export <laughs> it to, to Britain. Is your guess. <laughs> I see. I see. I see. Um, back to this coffee thing. Does coffee also grow in Tunisia? No, not really. Okay. We import them from outside, but mm. um some kind of, um, I mean, as I said, uh, some old ladies used uh-huh. to prepare the, the to brew and prepare their own coffee uh, at home. So I, I mean, it's a more homemade uh, brew yeah. uh, coffee. They mix them with uh, so many flavor. For instance, it, it's uh, orange uh, dried peas. So yes. Now and I want to zest think... a little orange into my coffee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, actually, I think it's uh, more like um, a Turkish uh, uh, habit or uh-huh. a Turkish um, way of uh, preparing coffee. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Okay, that's that's great to know. And this really leads um, leads, I think, into the next question that 
I, I have so many questions about Tunisia and sort of its place in the world. And you just mentioned Turkey, for instance. And my my very first question is even more basic. And I do apologize because I, I know how ignorant I am about your country. I apologize that, but I'm, I'm really excited that you're going to educate me. So I have always known the name of the country to be Tunisia, but I noticed in your email I, I thought you referred to it as Tunis. So are there two different names for it? Has the name kind of changed? Is it just a language thing? How does that work? Well, it's simple, actually. The country is still a Tunisia, but the oh. capital is Tunis. Oh. So that's the, yeah. So probably I mentioned Tunisia as a country, but uh, what I also said that I I was born and I was raised in in, in Tunis. So, I see. That so explains it. <laughs> I see. I see. And is the capital pretty urban? Uh, yes. Okay. So, yeah, it's um, actually it's a concentration of around uh, probably four to five million mm-hmm. um, people mm-hmm. and um, it's in the north of the the country mm-hmm. uh, by the seaside so it's the the place where you can came across many many different cultures mm-hmm. um, or many different people from uh, coming from from uh, all around uh, mm-hmm. north africa because tunisia is still part of the part of the maghreb I mean, we have a lot of common culture, common mm-hmm. um, habits, let's say, uh, with Algeria, Morocco, mm-hmm. Libya, Mauritania as well. Mm-hmm. And what is that called? You said it's part of the what? It's Maghreb. It's more on the, the um, west north side of Africa. Oh, so okay. It's called Maghreb. It, is that M-A-G-H-R-I-B? H- exact. I see. So the countries in northern Africa are called Maghreb, sorry, Maghreb, and they're no. Thing- actually, it's it's not a country, but it's more like a region, right? Yeah, kind of like you would say Ar- the Arab countries, or you might say like the Mediterranean countries, or something like that. Eastern European yeah, exactly. countries, yeah, I see. Exactly. Okay, so what what identifies one of these countries? Is it the people? Is it the um, geography? What what do these countries have in common? Yeah, so I would mention two things. First mm-hmm. is that those countries mainly are exposed to the Mediterranean side. So we're, we're mm-hmm. talking more about the southern side of the the Mediterranean Sea. Mm-hmm. Um, the second thing is that the, those countries, the native people of this region are uh, Amazigh or are Berber. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Talking about the, um, the origins of the people who lived there. So their and, ethnicity uh, is Berber. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. And uh, if you know a little bit probably about uh, Berber or Berbers or Amazigh, it's an ethnic group which is uh, indigenous to North Africa, especially okay. Morocco, Algeria, Tunisia, mm-hmm. and um, lesser extent to Mauritania, Northern Mali or Niger. But um, yeah, it's basically in North Africa, they have their own language, which is Berber languages. Uh-huh. Um, so they have their own, it's, it's an entire culture. Nowadays, uh, actually in Morocco, people can, can learn, uh, this language, uh, mm. at school. I see. I see. So how many languages do you speak? 
as three languages. Okay, English, yeah. Ber- Berber is the second. No, I don't speak Berber, don't? but uh, English, French, um, and Arabic, oh, okay. uh, which is my native language. Mm. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, and how about religion? Is there is there one dominant religion in Tunisia? Yes, there is one dominant religion, mm-hmm. which is um, the Islamic religion. Okay. So, in those three countries, Morocco, Algeria, and Tunisia, mm-hmm. so it's it's the same. Okay, I'm curious about. Um, you had this kind of Berber people group. Do you know anything about the history as to why it did split into these? You know, Libya, Tunisia, um, Morocco, Algeria, instead of remaining one large country. Do you do you know? I would say that this split, um, it's recent. I mean, it's a oh. very recent split going back to the probably during the, the first or the second uh, world war. So mm. I'm not really, I don't have many, many information about yeah. the, back to when, but uh, I'm pretty sure that we were probably uh, one and only community, which is mm. Berber in uh, in North Africa. In North Africa, I see, I see. So it was. There's a lot of common bonds. Yes. Mm-hmm. If you're watching the Olympics, you're all cheering for each other. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Somehow. <laughs> <laughs> that's not. Yeah. There's probably more competition as well, too. But yes. Yeah. yeah that's nice. <laughs> that's nice. Well, and so I'm curious, um, let's jump into the cuisines because you have so much happening there. Like you said, it's a Mediterranean nation, although it's on the south side um, of the Mediterranean. Um, it's obviously in, in northern Africa and it uh, there's, there's, there's Arab ties as well. Um, so which, I, I guess, how is it like or unlike these cuisines and what makes Tunisian cuisine um, distinct among others? Okay, so probably today in, the thing is that um, people in in Europe are most um, uh, comfortable with with uh, with the North African cuisine. They know mm-hmm. more about uh, Moroccan cuisine than every other uh, Tunisian or Algerian mm-hmm. cuisine. So, um, for instance, uh, I know in Paris or in, in France because mm-hmm. I based I'm based in in um, in France since yeah. two years now. I know yeah. that people here knows many things about. Um, um, about the North African, more uh, specifically Moroccan cuisine. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, today, actually, uh, I, w- I was surprised when I came here uh, mm-hmm. about this, uh, even though I I knew about um, about some information about uh, the, the the influence of the mm-hmm. North African um cuisine uh, or the north african culture uh, in france but i i was pretty surprised so for instance we're talking about couscous yeah um yeah uh, statistics showed that uh, in france couscous is uh, top three best wow. dishes in f- for french people mm. uh, somehow this shocked me but when I just look back to the the history during mm-hmm. the, the the last century, mm-hmm. I understood that actually um, the people who came in from Tunisia, Morocco, Algeria exported mm-hmm. 
or let's say imported in um, in France their culture uh, mm. and their cuisine their habits and and they deeply influenced the cuisine here in in France and that's so, so interesting and yeah, is that so, you you did you did this like import export thing so was there like a history of colonialism and so things were kind of extracted or was there immigration and so things were like inserted into french cuisine or a little bit of both yeah a little bit of both so uh, what I, I i would say that um after the um, the second world wide war mm. so so um people came here to to rebuild let's say uh, france uh, people from from uh, uh, from Tunis, from from Tunisia, from from Algeria and Morocco, came him to be part of the the new France from from the new Europe, let's say, because we mm -hmm. can find them uh, here in France, somewhere in Italy, mm -hmm. uh, in in Germany as well, in Spain. So and they they just brought here uh, their culture and they influenced right. directly um, those habits of the European people. So today uh, they, they influenced the language, they influenced the, the, the cuisine, they influenced uh, uh, probably some other things, the way we, the way we talk, the way we, mm -hmm. we cook, the way we, um, many, many other things. So, mm -hmm. um, but most importantly, uh, importantly for us is the cuisine. And um, actually, I I'm pretty surprised. I'm pretty surprised that uh, French people uh, are really comfortable with the North North African cuisine, mm. and they know many many things about it. So mm. they, tr it's also their first uh, touristic destination. Let's say because it's um, it's like two hours plane um, really that's all yeah so yeah interesting interesting and you said italy similar things that there's a lot of um cross influences with northern african exactly exactly so, so, hmm. so you know it's uh, italy especially in the south side mm. of um mm -hmm. italy um and uh, the the no actually the south side of italy and the north side of tunisia have a lot of uh, common things mm -hmm. um, in, in cuisine, in um, as well in um, in the way of living, in architecture as well. Interesting, because uh, they do have the same, um, let's say, weather or climate. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. And, yeah, they uh, really are just. Go for it. Yeah, we, we do have like the same ingredients in the cuisine, basically, uh, or most of them are coming from the Mediterranean Sea. So mm. the people there um, eat a lot of fish, mm -hmm. um, prepare um, many type of dishes based on on uh, on uh, on fish. On, mm -hmm. on uh, um, so yeah. Yeah, it's so interesting. I can see it. Like I'm looking at a map right now. And I mean, it feels like you could take a small boat between Tunis and Sicily. Um, exactly. Those really are so close, aren't they? Mm. Oh, and Sardinia. Yeah, we've I've had a guest from Sardinia and those really are also, which is an Italian, you know, island. Those are also super, super close. So yeah, it's easy to see how you share so much. Exactly. So even even in our dialect, we can find 
some some words, some Italian. I mean, mm. some so, some words uh, inspired by the Italian language, or mm. even some words coming from the Ita- Ita- Italian language. Mm. So yeah, yeah, it's pretty close. Yeah, it's so interesting. I was listening to a podcast over the summer about um, how quickly genetics change, how few generations it takes for um, like certain genetic features to die out, because the more they look into history and find you know bone shards and do DNA analysis and stuff, the one thing that is so common to the human population is we're just constantly going out, finding new people groups, and reproducing with these people groups. Exactly. So talking about this, actually, mm. the the I, I would say that today Tunisia, it's um or always Tunisia um, was the place where um, many civilization civilization um, I mean many civilization came across this place. Mm. Um, talking about uh, probably Roman civilization, mm-hmm. um, Berber civilization was there, Turkish civilization. Um, so it, it's a quite really rich place mm-hmm. in terms of uh, uh, civilization. So, yeah, so many layers of history and influence. Exact. Mm-hmm. Okay, so now that you've educated us a little bit about the history, um, which has been wonderful, thank you for that. I would love to hear a little bit about you and your story. So tell me about your um your hometown, I guess your home city of Tunis. And I, I'd really love to get like a sensory experience. Like if we showed up in Tunis today, or if you went back there, what would we hear? What would we see? What would be familiar or different? Hey again, listeners, uh, I know you are really enjoying everything that Elias is teaching us. I just want to take a quick moment to ask you to please subscribe to this podcast right now now. Um, In the survey that I did at the end of 2021, I learned that almost 40% of you said that you would listen to more episodes if I released fewer in every month. So in 2022, I will be releasing a maximum of three episodes every month. But what this means is that since I won't be, since this won't be exactly weekly anymore, you're really going to need a reminder to know when new episodes are out. And no, Instagram is not a good place to get these reminders. So um, just a little teaser about next week, I'm actually going to be releasing my brand new podcast art. And I'm bringing the graphic designer that created this art onto the podcast to talk about the process that we worked through together to get this amazing, perfect art that she created. Um, You're going to hear about some of the really tender feelings that I had to work through in this process and some of the really uncomfortable exchanges that happened early on that almost made me want to quit the podcast and definitely um, scared me from reaching out for publicity and really impacted the decisions we made about this podcast art. You will also hear about how amazing this graphic designer is, the process that she walked me through, how to find a good designer yourself, and how to create something amazing when you're starting from scratch. So just one more reminder, please, please don't count on Instagram to remind you of this episode or future episodes. Subscribe right now in your player 
or just scroll through the show notes and subscribe to the Storied Recipe newsletter, where every Friday you'll get recipes, images of the recipes, food photography tips, occasional free gifts, personal updates from me, and also, again, just the opportunity to continue to provide feedback on the direction of this podcast and the guests that I choose. Thank you. And here we go back to Elias. Yeah, that's pre- pretty good question, because if mm. we go and visit Tunisia right now, actually, even if it's probably the the, um, the winter right mm-hmm. now, mm-hmm. but it, it, it doesn't feel like it's the winter in Tunisia. So you can go by the seaside, um, mm. have a swim, um, enjoy your time, um, mm. eat a very good, delicious fish, grilled fish, fresh mm. grilled fish. Our... Our cuisine was deeply uh, related to to the sea. Mm-hmm. Um, from the the north side of Tunisia until the the south side, mm-hmm. um, we have a um, a large uh, coast. And uh, mm-hmm. yes, I'm looking and, at a um, map. Yeah, half of your border is coastline. Exactly. So, mm-hmm. so let's say you land right now in Tunisia. You are ten minutes far from the seaside by car mm, yeah you just go <laughs> there amazing. and you see the you could see the fishermen came mm. in back uh, from from the mediterranean with their fish there and and many other really typical mediterranean uh, creature let's say so mm. we can we can <laughs> eat them in, in many ways <laughs> mm, mm, mm. and inland is it more arid is it more lush um and does it depend on now tunisia is a, it's a small it's a small country but still it must change as you go away from the coast exactly um, even, even if it's a small country there is a let's say three kind of um mm. Um, regions or mm. um, mm-hmm. climate if, if you're yeah mm. if you if you're more on the south side you'll be in with in the desert okay it's and there you would see some camels mm. and um, you live by, by the, the desert like you, you do in you know in the in the the Gulf uh, world or mm-hmm. I mean in the Gulf area mm-hmm. and um or deep in um, in uh, in Africa, mm-hmm. so yeah, in the south side there is a desert, but mm-hmm. in the north, um, more west side, it's more like um, a mountain side. Oh, uh, yeah, it's it's a it's a kind of cool, pretty place to mm. uh, to enjoy um, forests, um, mountains, mm. uh, some lakes as well. Mm. So this is this is the 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 um, the beauty of Tunisia is that even if it's a small place, mm-hmm. but you, you when you change from from I mean when you visit um, when you, when you go from a city to another, mm-hmm. uh, you will feel the change. You will see that mm-hmm. uh, it's not the same, mm-hmm. and um, it's, a, it's a quite cool thing. Yeah, yeah, it's easy to escape. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Even and, if it's a small place. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, yeah. 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 And how how was that for you growing up? Did you get to visit all the different regions? Did you mostly stay in the city? How did that go for you? 
for me, the quite pretty thing is that my mother is natively from from the north of Tunisia, mm-hmm. specifically from, from uh, a place called Matar. Mm-hmm. And my father is he was born and raised, let's say, in the south, more in Gafsa, yeah, which is pretty far from uh, from Tunisia. Mm-hmm. We're talking more about three hundred. 50 or 400 kilometers um south okay yeah so and, you got um, to travel and see everyone yeah and and this also is part of um, my culinary uh, heritage i mean mm. this enriches i mean helped me to to know more about those differences between the north the south mm. uh, the east and the west in tunisia so mm-hmm. i i've never it is the same couscous in the north, in the south. So it's a, it's really different. Um, it's not the same ingredients. I mean, they don't eat the same kind of meat. Probably more in the north, or my my mother's family mm-hmm. is a lot of based on on fish. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably on, yeah. on more on fresh things. I mean, mm-hmm. for fresh ingredients. Mm-hmm. Um, in the south, we eat differently. They eat more like dried fruit. Uh, they eat even dried fish, mm. uh, dried octopus. Wow. Um, yeah, and uh, they prepare the couscous differently. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it's a quite, a, quite amazing if you are um, in the same country, but you eat really differently if you go from, from a place to another. Isn't that interesting? So, and it all has to do with just availability because, of course, in the South, I mean, they have to preserve the seafood, whereas, you know, in your mother's hometown, they can just, yeah, they can go to the market, I suppose, like every day. And like you said, these yeah. fishermen are coming back. Exactly. That's that's mm-hmm. the point. And it, it's also the same for some other ingredients. So mm-hmm. actually, when we talk about couscous, um, you know, it's basically uh, a semolina um, mm-hmm. mixed with, uh, with uh, salt and water prepared. Is that uh, what it is? And um, interesting. And we use some special tools to make it to make some, some smaller grain, mm-hmm. and uh, we use to steam them to prepare couscous. Yeah. So yeah. Talking about couscous, it's um, as I talked earlier about Berber. It's mm-hmm. uh, originally a, a Berber dish. Okay. So, I have to say I've bought couscous many times and been like, how how did we end up with these tiny little pebbles? How did this happen? So and this is we, more in the south where the wheat grows? Um no, it's more in the north and, oh, and the okay. northwest of uh of Tunisia. Okay. Um okay. and uh actually we produce wheat generally in the northwest, uh, in the north mm-hmm. and in some places in the middle. Uh, of the, the the map you could see that um, but um, we export as well this production or big part of the, uh, this ah. production is planned for exportation oh, so yeah, yeah. we export that to many places all around the world mm. um, but how to process this sweet to mm-hmm. to have a some smaller grain of couscous mm-hmm. is that Basically, by the um, early in the summer, by the month of probably early in June, by the mm-hmm. month of June, it's it's the um, the season where um, people start to to collect to harvest, um, yeah, yeah, to harvest exactly yeah. uh-huh. so to, to 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 harvest the the, um, the wheat. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but in, in the same season, which is the summer, mm-hmm. uh, we treat this wheat. I mean, we brew this the wheat until mm-hmm. we we get a, a semolina. Uh, many types of uh, semolina. I mean, depends on the the um, the use of it. Taking this semolina, I mean, we we buy it as a family, as a big family. We used mm-hmm. to to buy this semolina and uh, prepare it during mm-hmm. the summer uh, to get our own couscous, our oh, homemade couscous. Oh wow! And, so you would um, just buy a big bag of semolina flour. Exactly. So, so we bake this big bag. It's around uh, fifty kilogram. Wow. So, uh, of semolina. Wow. And. Um, we use it to to prepare our uh, our provisions of couscous to eat it later during the winter or uh, autumn. I mean, uh, during uh, other seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, in the south, we do differently. Actually, they never do this ceremony. They used to prepare um, a fresh couscous when they need it. I mean, they, they, oh. they don't do provisions of couscous. I see. So it's, yeah, it's almost like here where people will do canning in the summer, they'll just get in all of their tomatoes and they'll just can the tomatoes. It's like you get your semolina flour and, and are, are we starting to talk about the ceremony now, this Ula ceremony? Yes, it's and, um yeah, yeah exactly. So okay. it's related more to the northern city of Tunis, mm-hmm. um, but in the south, it's quite different. We don't do this ceremony. You know why? Because it's um actually it's basically related to preparing provisions of couscous, mm-hmm. uh, but they don't do this in the south because. Uh, they can uh, prepare provisions of couscous. Uh, why? They, they need to dry them. Um, but in the process of drying them uh, under the sun, uh-huh. they, they will be mixed with a grain of sand. So wow. no way to do this um, in the south. So Wow, because the this... wind is kind of just always blowing sandy, sandy exactly. breezes in the south exactly so, so wow 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 okay so, so yeah. that's why we we do it in the north end of the in the north side of the country but never in the the south side of the country in the south right so. right so yeah so tell me about this you would well let me back up a little bit you said you had a large family who was in the home with you when you grew up um well I have a large family, but I, mm. I actually I was born in um in a, in a small family. I mean, I have my okay. my dad, my mom, my uh-huh. brother, but we've been really close mm. uh, to to my um my my grandparents' place in yeah. the north. So we used to visit them um every weekend. Let's say wow. so. Um, we had this this uh, this habit to 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 go there uh, every Sunday. Mm-hmm. Uh, we eat there. We enjoy our time with our cousins, mm-hmm. and um, my aunts are always there. I mean, wow. um, in North Africa or more in Tunisia, we're uh, we're really into um, living within a big family, or mm-hmm. even if we're not. Seeing them every day, mm-hmm. we stay close. Mm-hmm. Um, we keep in touch with them uh, more often. Uh, yeah. So yeah, yeah. And um, and if we get to our topic, is that it's always like that. I mean, when we 
gather all the family, there is always a good dish there. And uh, <laughs> it's more, um, most importantly, importantly, the dishes uh, will be couscous. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, I want to keep talking about the couscous. And one, I want to talk about um, this, this, this ceremony, this tradition that you told me about where they prepare all of the provisions for the winter. And then after that, yeah, I want to get into this dish that you eat at the ceremony, because I have a lot of questions about that. So tell me first about the ceremony. You would go to your mother's um, hometown to like your grandparents' home. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And and then what what would happen there? So my, my mother was uh, my aunt uh, um, and my grandparent, more mm-hmm. especially grandmother, uh, they plan to this ceremony uh, each summer. Mm. Um, so first this, the ceremony, it's called Oula. So, Oula. okay. Exact. So Oula means, um, the ceremony where we, uh, prepare the provisions of mm. food, mainly, um, couscous and some other type of, um, uh, probably, dish based on cereals based on wheat mm-hmm. um we prepare as well some some other things like um probably spices or some other uh dried fruit or dried vegetables uh, mm-hmm. but uh, this ceremony aim to to really uh be prepared to the winter season yeah so they just plan this for one day or two days mm-hmm. and um as I said, they 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 just order uh, a big bag of um, of semolina and mm. and there, and some other uh, ingredients. Um, once we, we we have everything ready in my grandmother's place, um, mm-hmm. usually we go there during the weekend and mm-hmm. more. It's the summertime by the month of uh, July or let's say um, early in August. Mm-hmm. Um, we go there, and uh, my my grandparents' place is uh, an old uh, ho- house. Uh, I would say Berber house with a um, a big, uh, large square mm-hmm. um, where I w- they will invite some other um ladies to help mm. uh my mother and my aunts to so when you say a square there's like a courtyard in the middle exactly. is what i'm picturing courtyard mm. where everybody will be gathered mm. mm-hmm. to to work together actually to mm. to to help uh preparing the 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 the, the couscous mm. um mm-hmm. so it's a kind of process and mm-hmm. there is some ladies just um laying down by the, i mean sitting down on the ground using their hands um to mix the semolina with the salt with the mm. with the, with the, with the water and uh, using some other tools uh, to um to transform the semolina into the smaller grain mm. of couscous mm. um and uh, actually, after um, getting those small grains of couscous, we put them in a big, um, in a big, um, let's say, steam, mm. um, where we we just put them on on top of uh, 
um, big stockpot of w- w- full of water. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we boil the water and using the uh, this process, we just um, prepare them to be later dried under the sun. I see. So, so this, yeah. So every single one, they're, they're all handmade. Like you said, you use these tools to make these tiny little little cereals, little grains. And then you, um, every single one is steamed before it's dried. Exactly. So That's, we, I, didn't, we, I didn't know that. Okay. We used to steam there uh, one time and uh-huh. then um, probably dry them a little bit under the sun uh, uh, to later stock them um, and uh, save them for uh, the full winter uh, right. period. So right. the entire pe- winter period. Right. I wonder what that steaming does in order to... Um, I guess it just seems like if you had this paste, you could just dry it. Does the steaming almost like clean it out? Does it intensify the flavor? I wonder what that does. Well, I think it will help to save. Actually, it's a huh. it's a kind of cooking. You're cooking, you're mm. doing a first, um, I mean, you're cooking once your, your couscous. Mm-hmm. So yeah. um, to probably later uh, cook it again and... Uh. and and, uh, yeah, and it's a preserving and, technique. Exact. So I see. I, I, I think see. it's a preserving technique. Right. No, that does make sense. That makes perfect sense. Of course. Okay. Okay. That's amazing. And now, what else is associated with this ceremony? Is there, um, are, are there like other events? Is there singing? Is there? Um, yeah, there is always some singing. Some mm. some uh, some kind of. Um, there is also. Uh, we, we drink a lot of tea ah, during uh-huh. the yeah during the day or the afternoon. Mm. Um, in Tunisia, we used to 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 drink tea. I mean, in a family gathering, uh, probably it's the main mm. um, drink. Let's say after mm. uh, as well as coffee. So, but uh, mainly it's tea with mint, with fresh ah, mint. Tea with fresh mint. Wonderful. Exactly, mm, mm. and um, so so. But the most important thing for this ceremony is the probably the lunch. Mm. Uh, why? Because um, since the ceremony aimed to prepare uh, fresh couscous, mm-hmm. we use also this couscous to prepare our lunch, and mm-hmm. um, and the lunch will be um, couscous with. Uh, some vegetables and most importantly, um, the meat of a baby goat or mm. uh, or uh, lambs. So mm. depends actually on um, on the family preferences or mm-hmm. everyone preferences. But uh, uh, I would say that we prepared with um, a baby goat meat because mm-hmm. uh, it's more the summer and um, the baby goat meat it's say it's less um, how to say it's less fat than oh, the okay. the lamb meat so okay. but some people or some fam- some other families prefer always to prepare couscous with the lamb meat i see i see and is there significance in it being a baby or is that just the way it is that for flavor or is there a significance to that no, because it's just tender. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Uh, some other families don't do this. I mean, they they prefer uh, eating lamb. Yeah, um, right. More than than uh, than this. 
Right. So I have, <laughs> so this is the recipe that you shared with us. And I have actually quite a few questions about it. Mm-hmm. Um, my main, my main question though, revolves around this idea that um, I feel like the way couscous is marketed to Americans <laughs> is the way that I'm finding like all, all food is you know, marketed, which is fast, easy, convenient. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you put, you put, I think I was taught to make couscous, I think literally in, in five minutes. Like, I think you put it in the water, you let the, it absorb the water. You, you, you fluff it up. You have this steaming three, three different times. And I'm just wondering, can this even be the same cereal? And how does it not turn into just, just a mush? I'm so curious about this. Well, that's a really good question because uh, I've seen this also in Europe. Um, they are marketing couscous uh, as a, a fast food, let's say, mm. as a, um, a dish that you can prepare in um, in uh, five ten minutes. But uh, right. it's a quite different. <clears throat> I would say that there is um, for us, uh, at least in in Tunisia or in North Africa. We are not used to this. I mean, we are not used to prepare couscous in less than probably one hour and a half or one hour. It's more like a a family dish. I mean, you can usually it's rare to 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 be alone um, at home and prepare a couscous. So Mm. you need to be with someone else to to enjoy couscous you need to share your 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 meal <laughs> with someone else to mm. to enjoy couscous so mm. it's not a it's not that really i mean it, it, we don't pre- present couscous as a fast food or even mm. a, an easy uh, dish to be prepared um i i would say that there is two type of couscous mm. Um, today, uh, the couscous of Aula, uh, since it's already uh, steamed one time uh, during the ceremony, when you prepare it, uh, I mean, when you just store it and one day, let's say during the winter, you just want to prepare couscous, you just mm-hmm. uh, take some of it uh, and, and uh, steam it, you mm-hmm. will steam it once. I mean, you will steam it uh, uh, one time. You don't. You don't need to steam it more than uh, than one time. Mm. So, and, and do you yeah. actually have it in the water, or is it like a steaming? You know, like you would steam vegetables above water or something like that. You see what I'm saying? Um, yeah. Like, does I, I will, the steam pass through it, or do you have it? Um, submerged in the water the cereal no we don't know actually we don't submerge uh, uh, on the water we steam it over mm, actually the water and mm. most importantly it's not over, over the water is more over the sauce i mean mm, that, that oh. will be used to yeah to uh, to put some color and some taste on the some real on the couscous flavor. later Oh. Exactly. So, but today, what you can find as well, uh, the couscous in the market, uh, not the one that will be ready in five minutes or ten minutes. The you will find some other couscous, dry couscous. Is not the couscous of Ola, but it's more an industrial one. But still, mm-hmm. it's um, yeah, yeah, it's more similar. It's a decent uh, type of couscous that you can prepare the way I wrote down the the recipe. Yeah. So and 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 that type of couscous should um, you can uh, actually you should steam it uh, 
two times to, to get it ready and to put the sauce and the vegetable on it. But uh, yeah. just to confirm that we used to steam the couscous over the sauce and within the sauce you will find the vegetables the meat right um, the chickpeas and right yeah this makes so much more sense because couscous has always been kind of like kind of a bland thing like well i guess you make it click but really what is it you know what is it but now i understand if you steam it over the sauce and the couscous itself has this amazing amazing flavor and also if you're just steaming it, it it doesn't really get mushy at all because it's quite a hard grain to start with Exactly. So mm. I think also some other thing it's really important here is what we call the couscous steamer, let's say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. It's a kind of um, specific thing to the couscous. If you mm-hmm. go to probably Amazon or some I other did. Yes. places to, to check, you will find some really nice couscous steamer uh, that you can use um, to prepare your couscous the, the good way. Mm-hmm. Got it. Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. So the only other question I'm going to talk, ask about this because we're, we're running a little low on time is, um, I am curious, you mentioned a couple of times that uh, during this ceremony, they might also prepare, um, vegetables for the winter or dry fruit or spices. So a while back in the conversation, you said that, um, when people think of your region, they tend to think more of Morocco. And one of the big things I think of with Morocco is spices. That's what it's known for. Is Tunisia also very rich in spices? And um, would you also answer this question about um, this particular recipe? Tell me about the spices in it. So you mentioned harissa and the rasa hanout, um, which is something I've bought before. Tell me a little bit about that. Like, is that native to Tunisia? And where do these spices grow? Okay, so yeah, I, I would say that Tunisia it's really known for this um, within the the Mediterranean um, countries. I mean, uh, we have our own uh, spices. We or oh, we have the uh, known the harissa, which is really a typical Tunisian spices. We put it almost. Or I say almost in every red um, color dish, <laughs> color mm. dish. Mm-hmm. So, um, um, and um, Arisa is um, um, is a really hot spicy. So mm. we, it's always like that. I mean, I, I tried it in some other countries, but it is not the same as in mm. my my home country. Mm. Um, we do have also some other uh, spices. When I said Rasil um mm. it's a mix, actually, of spices. Uh, you can find uh, many, uh, I mean, you can find coriander, dried one. Mm. Uh, you can find um, probably um, flowers in it. You can find um, uh, black pepper. You mm. can find um, well. It's more a blend of uh, of uh, of the spices, Russell and wood. But uh, um, we do m- use many spices, like cumin. Mm. Uh, for instance, we use it with fish to prepare. Mm. Also, um, couscous with fish. We use cumin to. Uh, um, to, to prepare the fish, mm. um, we use um, curcuma. Mm. Um, yes, um, we use uh, 
the dried uh, pepper, red pepper. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, we do have many other uh, spices that mm-hmm. we can use in every uh, Tunisian dish, but it's more, uh, as I said, specific to Tunisia. It's not uh, uh, like in Morocco. I see. I see. I see. Okay. All right. Well, this is wonderful. I can't wait to share this um, recipe and this information. And last, if you don't mind hanging on for a few minutes, I'd just love to know a little bit about um, your journey from Tunisia to to Paris. Why did you make that change? Um, Do you see it as permanent? And how often do you get to go back? Um, Well, today, actually, I'm in, in... I live and I work in Paris with my my family here right. since mm-hmm. two years almost. Two years. Um, mm-hmm. I I'm not sure if it's really permanent or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, depends on many things, especially mm-hmm. with this context of um, yeah uh, pandemic and mm-hmm. and so on. But um, your your wife is Tunisian. What, yes, my wife is Tunisian. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I'm um, what I'm really uh, intend to do here is mm-hmm. that um, trying to launch my 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 own business, uh, my my own cooking business, especially after really? I had my own uh, my own um, diploma. Let's say that I'm uh, I just moved from uh, an amateur level to more wow. a professional cooker. Wow. Uh, yeah, I got my. Uh, official French diploma uh, last summer, so yeah. now I'm I'm able to launch a business, but I still I'm still uh, thinking about it. Uh, right now I I'm see. more working into um, the IT business uh-huh. uh, as yeah. I always did, yeah. uh, almost since nine years. Okay. But um, now after getting my 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 diploma, uh, I'm I'm still thinking, planning about launching yeah. my own uh, cooking business that would be wonderful and would you want to make um purely tunisian food or french and tunisian how what would what would your dream be even though my my training was around um french cuisine Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, i'm still thinking about um helping um let's say my culture or my Mm -hmm. tunisian uh, cuisine to to spread around the world, so mm-hmm. um, I I probably go for the Tunisian cuisine yeah. um, because, as I said, um, here in France, I see that the people are really um, eager to know more about uh, North African cuisine and to mm-hmm. make the difference uh, between Moroccan, Algerian, and Tunisian cuisine. Each. Yeah country has its own specifics so it's really important to show this uh, in a project probably yes yes well i am so grateful for what you taught us today um i i learned so much about couscous it's always just been this strange like how did they get it like that <laughs> so <laughs> i am i'm so interested i'm really excited to cook it over a sauce instead of just drowning it in water <laughs> <laughs> which is <laughs> which is what we do and um i'm i'm real real grateful to you for everything you taught us so thank you so much elias i'm really happy for for this opportunity i'm really happy to talk to you and uh i wish you good luck and uh i congratulate you on all what you do as well oh thank you so much and i hope you have a wonderful day 
Thanks. Okay, take care. Bye-bye. Good day. Bye. Thank you one more time to Elias. Wasn't that fascinating? Are you going to try to put a little orange in your coffee after listening to that? Uh, Also, if you'd like to find Elias's couscous recipe, that's in the show notes, along with his contact information as well. Just one last reminder to subscribe in your player or to the newsletter, and that the best ways to support the podcast are either to leave a five-star review. You can easily find a link to do that in the show notes. Even if you're not sure how to do it in your player, just scroll through the show notes. You will find a link. And the second best way to support the podcast is to shop the Storied Recipe Print Shop, where I share the very best images of my guest recipes using extraordinary light. Thank you all. Can't wait to talk to you next week. In the meantime, have a great week, my friends.